Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hosea. You can turn to the table of contents and then turn to Hosea if you'd like. Uh, I want you to know on the very front that for the sake of full disclosure, I'm not great at turning to books like the Minor Prophets. And so uh, I can either flip in the general direction because those of you that are sitting beside me think that I should know where it is already, or I can just go to the table of contents and then turn to Hosea. So uh, don't get caught up in stuff like that. If you don't know where it is, then look at the table of contents like you would in any other book and go to the Bible as we're all just trying to learn God's Word together. Amen? Uh, but we're so glad that you're here. Y'all, there's some good things happening at Lindsay Lane. Last week we had uh, over 30 that were in Lindsay Lane 101, or our new members class, uh, that completed that last week. As we said, our mission trips are being planned for the year. From your Give to Go missions offering, we look forward to that. And that uh, meeting this afternoon is, is going to tell us about those six planned trips. What number of our first-time short-term missionaries will you be? Part of the vision is to raise up first, uh, 15 first-time short-term missionaries this year. If God is calling you to a mission trip, have you even asked him? But if God, if God is calling you to a, a mission trip for the first time, be a first-time short-term missionary. You can learn about that today, as John, our missions pastor, talked about. Our new children's director, Ashley Claiborne, that you saw in the video, she had a parents meet and greet this morning, uh, telling about all the things that are coming up, our children's ministry. Uh, there's just a lot of good happening here, and we thank God for it. And what I'm trying to tell you right now is that you can be a part of it. You can belong to this church. Uh, it, it, you, you can get plugged in, and not just to attend and be fed, but also to serve in this body and to serve in the community through Lindsay Lane, and we're so glad that you chose to come to church this morning, and if you're a first-time guest, we're certainly glad that you're here. For those of you that are joining us online today, we're glad to see you, and uh, hope to see you soon, and uh, I'm just, I'm grateful to be in this position that God would use us, and I got a lot to say, so we better hurry up and get to it, amen? All right, Hosea is where we're going to be. Hosea is a book of prophecy. We are starting a new series today that we're actually preaching on all of our campuses, at our north campus in Elmont, our east campus in Harvest. And we're all preaching together this book of Hosea as we preach through the series called Return. This, uh, this uh, book of Hosea, as I said, is a book of prophecy. And prophecy is when God delivered a message through a messenger relative to future events, events to be fulfilled. And Hosea is one of the 11 books in the Bible called Minor Prophets. It's one of those minor prophets that's stuck there in the Old Testament. And there's a very, very deep reason why Hosea and the other 11 books are called Minor Prophets. And the deep reason is because it's a shorter book than the other prophets. That's, that's straight up truth. <laughs> they're called Minor Prophets because they're shorter books than the other ones. Hosea and the other books that are make up the minor prophets, if you read through those books, they seem to be filled with a projection of judgment, a, a tone of God's doom that is coming from the message of the prophets to the people of God, the Old Testament chosen people of Israel that were wavering when they became God's people. There, there are specifics when you read through these minor prophets that are relative to a particular people, to a particular place and time. But out of those specifics within the minor prophets, there are also general truths and principles that the church of the living God should apply to our own return and to our relationship to God. So let's get right into it in the story of Hosea, because as a messenger, Hosea the prophet was given specific orders for a specific reason. 
And it's not so much that Hosea was given a specific message as it was a specific action that he was to carry out and live before the people of Israel so that they would see an example of God. That the, this, this people group that God had chosen, who is Israel, God chose them and purposed for himself the nation of Israel in order to bless the entire world through the eventual coming of Jesus Christ. That's why God chose Israel to begin with, is to bless all of the nations, like John said, is to get the good news of Jesus to every single tribe and tongue throughout the world, including North Alabama. And so God started with Israel. And again, specifics to a particular people in a particular time. But the people group that God had chosen became unfaithful. Y'all, they were unfaithful to begin with. And through the prophet Hosea, God is going to get a very clear message across to his people. And it's this. You are cheating on me. You are cheating on me. And as God's judgment sets in on sin, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But before we get to the judgment, you cannot miss this in Hosea. God lovingly pursues unlovely people. And thank God, amen? God lovingly pursues unlovely people. Pick it up there in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, or chapter 1, yes, chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, when the Lord first began to speak to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Lord, we just pray that you make all this plain today. Speak to our heart and minds so that we may live it out with our hands and feet. And we love you and thank you for your word and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. God's righteous anger was on the rise. God had had enough, so to speak. And he was about to deal with his people and he's growing tired and he's growing frustrated. So he raises up this leader with a message of judgment but it wasn't just a spoken word. It was a living example that he wanted his people to see. So God's like, Hosea, these folks are frustrating me. And they're getting on my last nerve. And we've dealt with this before. Hosea, are you ready to go to work? Yes, sir. I sure am. Good. The first thing I need you to do is go get married. Okay. Let's unpack that. Let's, let's talk about that. Right? You've got to remember that these folks that God used in the Old Testament are just like me and you. They're just flesh and blood people. So it's safe to assume that Hosea, when he hears this, at least has some questions. But we would be remiss if we did not look at verse 3 where the Bible says, So Hosea married Gomer. God said, this is what I want to do and I'm going to use you for it. And while there was probably uncertainties within his call... Hosea, being a faithful servant, married Gomer just as God had said. And as a real person, just like me and you, there was likely these questions within his heart about why he was doing this and really what had this do to, had to do with anything at all. And it sure seems like God would choose another way for this to happen. And there was all kinds of uncertainties. 
But a faithful servant of God will pray through the uncertainties and trust God and get it done. Y'all, did you know that God is still calling people? Your invitation today at the end of the service may not be to repent. It may not be to return. Your invitation at the end of the day may not be to come to salvation as you already have it. And you are growing and learning. Your response during the, during the invitation today may be that God is calling you to ministry. Don't run from it. Part of my own testimony and my call to ministry is that I grew up hearing preachers that do the same thing I do, talk about how when God called them to preach, they ran from it. And I heard enough of that to know I wasn't going to do that if he called me. It just sounded bad. But God is still calling people to preach, to serve, to go on mission. He's still calling people to lead worship, to be missionaries, to serve children and students. God is still calling people to do his bidding. How do we know that? Because he's done it ever since in the Bible. From cover to cover, God raises up a leader or a messenger or a servant to accomplish his will. If God begins to speak to you, like it says in the scripture that he did to Hosea, he began to speak. If God begins to speak to you, towards a lifetime of ministry or a season of service or a short-term on mission, you better go. Don't, Don't turn the volume down on that. At least explore it. Work through it. Yield to Him. You may come and say, I think God is calling me. And part of our responsibility as a church to see that you get that answer, that you work through it. Is there a confirmation from the church? Are you using your spiritual gifts? Are you plugged into the local body? Is God calling you to service? If he is, yield to him. He married Israel. Hosea wasn't called to just get married, though. No, Hosea was called to marry a promiscuous woman. Hosea was called to marry, by most accounts, a prostitute. An adulterous woman who would continue practicing adultery. That's who Hosea was called to marry. On the surface, this command seems very perplexing, right? Like anybody here that just heard what I said to you that God said to Hosea from the scripture is probably going to think that is, is really weird. Why are we, why are we doing that? On the surface, again, this command seems that way, but there's a truly great reason. And God never works without a reason. A prostitute, by definition, sells themselves to preserve their life. And they do so because either a low sense of worth or a flawed sense of right. A a prostitute has given up the thought of something sacred. A prostitute has given up the thought of something exclusive. An adulterous lifestyle is deceived to believe that the existing relationship is not enough. That's a lie. And so this was Israel. The prostitute represents Israel. Israel was unfaithful. And just as God had married Israel, God had Hosea to marry Gomer. And to make matters worse, Lord have mercy on her name. Somebody give that lady. Somebody. If anybody in here is named Gomer, I apologize. But let's be honest. There ain't none of y'all in here named that. It may be a middle name and you've been trying to hide it this whole time. Now I feel bad because there may be people in here 
But this is a living illustration. This is what God is trying to accomplish. God established a covenant with his people Israel. Exodus chapters 19 through 21. If you look at Exodus chapter 19 verse 5, God building upon the covenant that he initiated in Genesis says, Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, speaking to Israel, you will, listen to this love language, you will be my own special treasure. From among all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. Well, this is in Exodus chapter 19. A few chapters before, in Exodus chapter 16, the people of God refused the instruction relative to the Sabbath day. God said, gather up all this food and store it up. And on the Sabbath day, it's a rest day. Nobody goes out. And the Bible says, some of the people went out anyway. Completely disobeying what God said. And it was then, in chapter 16, that God said to Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? Man, I heard a good word this week. I heard a lady on a podcast say this. We all want a Savior, but oftentimes we don't want a Lord. Gosh, that will preach. So this this same people in chapter 16, if you get to chapter 17, this same people, still before the purposeful, my own special treasure comment, then after violating the Sabbath rest, and God dealt with them on that, then they begin to question God and argue with Moses over water provisions in the wilderness, testing the Lord by asking, is the Lord here with us or not? Are you kidding me? The God who delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh, the God who has provided for you all along the way, dropped down food from heaven. Are you kidding me that you would question if God is with you or not? Has he delivered you or not? Has he provided for you or not? I mean, what in the world is God going to do with these folks? I'll tell you what he did. He married them. He married them. He gave himself to them. He joined himself to a flawed people. That ought to give somebody hope in here this morning. Because of God's love, because of his plan, because of his faithfulness, because of his purpose, he joined himself to Israel so that they and the rest of the world could be blessed through the forgiveness and freedom that comes with the ultimate culmination of the whole thing, who is Jesus. That's why God joined himself to an unfaithful people to prove his faithfulness. This is a reaffirming of the covenant that he had already made back in Genesis. So what do we make of this? This is what we make of this. God lovingly pursues unlovely people. Hosea's marriage to Gomer is an illustration of judgment. We're going to talk about judgment for a good bit in here today. And we'll get to that. But y'all, this is also one of the best reminders of God's goodness. One of the best reminders of God's love. You see, the Hebrew, Hebrew law fitted adultery as a capital crime. Hosea, by the law, was justified to have his wife stoned when she committed adultery within that relationship. Hebrew law would, would give this this capital crime, the ultimate punishment, punishment by death. But God's announcement to and through Hosea was devotion and discipline, not destruction. Did y'all hear that today if you're bringing in a weight of sin? That, that what is punishable by death, 
God did not bring destruction. He's just going to bring devotion from himself to you and a little bit of discipline to turn you right around. God doesn't pursue us with the hope that we will be faithful. God pursues us on the truth that he will be faithful. Write that down. God doesn't pursue us with the hope that we will be faithful. He knows we'll be unfaithful. He pursues us based on the truth that he is faithful. And this is why Hosea married a prostitute. But y'all listen, he didn't just sign a certificate get a picture to say they were married. You know what Hosea did? He rescued her. Think about the life that she was involved in. And sometimes, sometimes in our judgmental attitude, we just assume that's the life that she chose. No, it could have been that's the life that she was sold into by her father. It could have been the, the life that she was, she was kidnapped into. And so what Hosea did was to rescue her from that world of darkness. He joined himself to her intimately. This is not a, I guess you can tag along kind of relationship. This is a, I give myself to you and I desire you relationship. This is what God is going after with us. Y'all, sometimes in all the preaching of conviction and chastisement, we have to remind ourselves of how good God is and that he just wants to be with us. When you begin to think of how bad you are. Today is a reminder of how good God is. And God knew Israel would be unfaithful and he loved her anyway because it works for his glory and for their good. He loves to the intention of rescue. God is loving you today. This message is loving you today with the intention of changing your unlovable spirit that is just stubborn and we want to go our own way he loves us to the point where we would turn from ourselves and receive the grace of god and be grateful for what he's done so that we will live for his glory but what we then go on to see in the scripture is while god lovingly pursues unlovely people unlovely people just keep sinning unlovely people just keep sinning god is certainly love y'all we know that right God is love, and you don't need to leave here today without knowing that. But God is also light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Meaning, God's love is a holy love. It is not without standard. God's love is patient and kind, but God's love does not excuse sin. There is a standard there. God is love, and he is just because he is holy. I was fortunate to know my grandmother on my mama's side for a good part of my life. We grew up just down the lane from my grandmother. We spent a lot of time with her, and y'all, she loved so, so sweet and strong. Loved us to death. But I remember one time as a kid, she got after me with a switch. Now, I am not imposing or advocating a method of discipline on your children. I think we just need to discipline our children. And I'm also just telling you how, how I was disciplined. But I remember when my grandmother got after me with a switch. Now, for those of you that don't know what a switch is, a switch is anything you can get your hands on because you can't get to a belt. That really is it. And this particular day, what my grandmother could get her hands on was a tree branch. So she got after me with a tree branch. Now, I want you to know there's a, diff there's a difference, definite difference between discipline and abuse. And she got my legs that day. 
And I know this about my grandmother. In all of my life and all the time I spent with my granny, she only whipped me one time. But just in that one time, I knew then that just as she is love, she is light, and not everything is okay. That's what love says. Love says not everything is okay. So what you've got here in Hosea is God finally within all of his love knew at this time they didn't need any more counseling. They didn't need any more coddling. What they needed in the nation of Israel was chastisement. There's sometimes where we need to remind you that you're just like everybody else and we all make mistakes. There's sometimes where we all need to be wrapped with arms of love and tell us that just as God has forgiven you, you need to forgive yourself. Somebody told me that one time. I'll never forget that in my own life. But then there's times we need a whipping. Again, that's not an advocate for whatever you want to do. But sometimes our attention needs to be got. Are you with me? And thank God for that. Thank God that he loves and whom the Lord loves, he what? He disciplines And now it was time to get their attention because they continued, even through the messages, even through the talking to's, and all throughout that, they continued to be unfaithful. And this is when we get to the consequence, and we get to the consequence because of two things. The first one is that, unfaithfulness. In chapter 4, verse 1, the Lord has brought charges against you, saying... There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowing of God in your land. Y'all, I'm telling you, we could stay in this all month. The charges of no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowing of God in your land. In chapter 2, verse 5, the latter part of that verse says, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water. This is Gomer, this is the nation of Israel, running after other lovers, selling the self, to them for food and water, for clothing or wool or linen, for olive oil and drinks, for the necessities that they so badly want and need, they run to others instead of their main provider. Whenever there was a drought, whenever there was a famine in Israel, the Jews who had been delivered by God repeatedly turned to Baal, a false god that had done nothing for them, that had been proven wrong, and they turned to a false god for help instead of turning to the Lord. Gomer ran to the arms of another lover instead of her husband. And often, this is exactly what we do. God saved our very soul. And we get into a little bitty bind, and we're going to turn from God and go to somebody else. Look within ourselves. Goodness, Israel at times even looked from their own people group for God to raise up a king, and God was there the entire time. God, give us a king. Y'all want a king? Give them a king. I'm right here and can do anything in the world. But go and get yourself a king. You see, this is what we do. Our heart wants it now, right now. We want it just like we want it. And if it don't come right then, we're going to try something else. And this is the heart of Gomer. This is the heart of Israel. And often it can be ours. Wallet, phone, keys. Wallet, phone, keys. Take away the water for just a second. When I leave the house, I will leave the house always with wallet, phone, keys. Anybody with me? 
And the reason I leave the house with wallet, phone, keys is because I have learned in my life to trust that if I have these three things in my pants pocket, I can get back home. If I have these three things on me, then I can connect with somebody. I have some of the resources to get me through and the transportation to get me where I need to go. Y'all, look, I'm about to put it in my pocket right back now because I don't want to leave it out today. If any of you, if my friends find me dead in a ditch and they discover me, and when they begin to look over my body, if I don't have a wallet, phone, and keys, I've been murdered. Start the investigation. <laughs> Just go on start it now. Because I'll even, and I know you, you do this too, I will leave the house and go like this. On rhythm. Just like that. Especially if I'm in a foreign country or on vacation or whatever, I will do this right here. And if I ain't got those three things, then, then we've got to go back. Now here's the deal. I have come to trust in those three things. Those three, those three things have never let me down yet. They have always seen me through. If you find me alive without these three things or with something else, you know what that means? I have chosen to trust in something else. I have chosen to trust in something else that's never proved itself to be what I need. It has never seen me any, through anything. It's just I've seen something shiny and I've picked it up and replaced it, or maybe I've had to wait a little bit, and all of a sudden, what I've trusted in this whole time that has been nothing but faithful to me, I now have picked up something else. I have chosen to trust in something else. Why, oh why, would you turn to another leader? Why would you turn to another philosophy, another worldview? Yes, that philosophy may give you all kinds of room to live within your sin, but it has made no provision for your sin. Yes, that leader may teach you and tickle your ears and massage your shoulders, but won't tell you the truth. Why would we turn from, from all of this that, that God has given us that can be trusted, this worldview that he has put in place that would see us through to heaven with guardrails on each side? Well, it's because I can't measure up. It's that standard seems too high. You're absolutely right. I can't measure up either. That's the beauty of God's faithfulness even when we're not faithful. That's the beauty of God's forgiveness even when we can't measure up to the standard. That is His grace. It was their unfaithfulness that led to their consequences. But what led to their unfaithfulness, y'all listen to this, was their forgetfulness. What led to their unfaithfulness, Lord, see us through, was their forgetfulness. God had provided freedom for his people Israel from the hand of the most powerful leader in the world. God freed by his own power all of Israel out from under Pharaoh. And not only that, he had provided an identity for them. He had given them his presence he placed a place for them to belong. He protected them from their enemies. He gave them victory. And as they remained the people of God, God blessed them and their needs were met by their heavenly father. But the scripture says in chapter 2, verse 13 of Hosea, I will punish her for all those times 
when she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers, listen to this part, but forgot all about me. Hey, we got college kids in here. Just because you're going to college don't mean you can forget all about God. That is no excuse. High school students, I don't know what other people are telling you, but just because you're young doesn't mean you give you an excuse to be young and dumb. That does not give you an excuse to forget all about God. You're on the hook because God is pursuing you with his love to keep you within his guardrails. He knows better than you know. Adults, the same thing. Adults, we get old, we get set in our ways, and nobody can teach us anything. And we're so prideful that we will not entertain a new idea and all of these kinds of things. And in that, we forget that even God himself may not be able to tell us something. Their unfaithfulness was born out of forgetfulness. You see, this is what was lost on Israel. And this is what can be lost on us. Follow me. This is what can be lost on us. There was a time when Israel's need for God was so fresh. They were hurting. They needed God. And God gave himself to them and joined himself to them. And then life got a little bit better. They started winning. And life got a little more comfortable. And as life got a little more comfortable and they started winning, all of a sudden their focus began to dim. And the God that they needed so much and called upon and he came through is the same God that they began to forget. They forgot the source of their turnaround, the source of their salvation. Deuteronomy carries within it this idea of remembering. Chapter 5, verse 15 of that book says, Remember, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. You were once slaves to your sin. You were once slaves, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. That's why I'm telling you what to do, because I freed you from slavery. What's the word there to circle? Remember that. Don't forget it. Forgetfulness leads to unfaithfulness. Don't forget. Y'all, you better not forget that time in your life when God saved you from hell and death. Don't you forget when you called upon God to save you, when you knew that you were a sinner and if you died right then, you would bust hell wide open. Don't forget that time when you were staring hell square in the face and the good news of the gospel got to your heart. Don't forget that. If we'll stay close to that, know our testimony, share it, remember it, we will have a better chance of staying faithful. Don't forget that every day in our life is an opportunity for God to show himself through us and that there will be all kinds of things that happen during the day, whether small or large, that we're going to need God for. Sometimes we just don't recognize it. We're just living, just coasting. Chapter 4, verse 6 of Hosea says, y'all listen to this part. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Goodness. I, we can seriously stay here. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Your salvation and baptism is the beginning of your faith. This is why we say you need to get yourself in a group. This is why we say, look, we got a new foundations class that started this morning. If 
If you need to start or restart your Christian walk, you need to get in that group. My people become unfaithful because they forget about me. The scripture says in chapter 4 that they're becoming destruction because they don't know who I am. We're Christians that don't know anything about God. Cannot be. This is the one that saved us. And this, the Bible says, it goes on in chapter 4. You know what it says? This is the fault of the priest. The priests were at fault. Because the priests gave way to the same idols, the same gods that the people began to. They were the ones that were supposed to be putting their foot down going, No! Don't you remember? Don't you remember? And they were doing the same things that the people did. The priests refused to know God. What the priests do, the people also do, says in chapter 4, verse 9. Should be the other way around. If God has given leaders to lead his people, what the priests do, the people should follow. But the Bible says what the priests do is what the people do. Listen in here today. Leaders and learners have got to know the following. The purpose, the purpose of God's written word is not for us to say that we have read it. It's not for us to say and talk about how much we know of the word of God. The purpose of the written word of God is for us to become like the author. That's the purpose. Unfaithfulness and forgetfulness leads to shame. Chapter 2, verse 5 says, Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. Their mother is a shameless prostitute prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way speaking to hosea the prophet god says that mother israel is no longer his bride that's that's tough words to take they are no longer the special relationship of god now you keep reading in just a short time after that god is going to bring them back but here the groom never wavered the groom never wavered but his bride did and the people of god committed spiritual adultery by opening up their lives to false God, all the things that they needed were provided for for God, yet they went outside of Him, and God's Word calls this shameful. In my life, I have never, ever... Now, I have experienced shame many times, but I have never experienced personal shame at the action of God. Because God, shame doesn't come from God. Shame comes from sin. Shame comes from self. This is a consequence of conviction. The shame attached to Gomer's life, the shame attached to the nation of Israel, the shame attached to our lives, to the nation of Israel, all of that is not there because God is trying to make us feel bad. Y'all listen. The shame that you may have attached to your life right now from the last couple days or the last couple years is not because God is trying to make you feel bad. It's because that's how sin feels. Sin always separates. That's how sin makes us feel. So this is a truth that please take with you today. Because shame doesn't come from God, it shouldn't keep you from God. Do you know, because I know this in my own life, when I have messed up, when I've blown it, when I've made a bad decision, when I've said things, done things, thought things I should not have done, that shame that comes into my life, Satan will take that and twist it to make me feel like I shouldn't go to church, like I shouldn't pray. Like I shouldn't talk to somebody else about it to get help with it. But shame's not from God. Shame is from sin. So if shame is not from God, it shouldn't keep you from God. The very place you need to be when you've blown it on Saturday night is in church on Sunday morning. 
because you're going to hear the truth in love. I remember that in college. This is why I, sometimes Brittany and I get real passionate about college kids because there would be times we'd have a worship service we'd drive to on Thursday night college, and I would sit in the back just straight up under conviction, man. And a lot of times I didn't want to go because I knew what was going to happen when I got there. I was going to get a whipping. And thank God for it. God never stopped pursuing me. The shame was not him, it was me. And God always told me the truth in love. And I'm thankful. This was all getting to the consequence. God would take away his provision for Israel for a time. God, their festivals were canceled. He says, enough. Canceling all those I gave to you to remember me by. Those are done. His defenses that he gave to them will be taken away for a time so that the leaders and the lands, they would be invaded. And God begins to, in chapter 2, verse 12, listen to this part. God begins to let the grapevines and fig trees grow into tangled thickets. And you may read chapter 2 and think, I know they messed up badly, but was that punishment necessary? Like all of that that you just said, if God's so good, why would he do that? What did it take to get their attention? That is such a scary question, isn't it? Somebody in here today, let me ask you this question from the Lord to your heart. What's it going to take to get your attention? Gosh, that's fear and trembling stuff. What's it going to take for God to wake you up, to get your attention, to know that this is all real, to know that He is and has all authority? What's it going to take to get our attention? Our attention's towards salvation, our attention towards a real return to living right according to the God that we belong to and say that we believe in. Listen, God doesn't sit back waiting to discipline us. That's not a good parent. I, I don't walk in the door every day after work and go, what what somebody do? You know, I'm not looking for that. I'm not ready to just turn tables over when I walk in the house. I want to give my kids a hug. I want to love on them. See, this is why you need to get to know who God is and read the Bible, because you'll often have this disturbed thought that every day you wake up, God is fixing to get you. But as he is the ultimate representation of a good parent, he is pursuing us with his love. I've experienced the discipline of God. Anybody else? I have experienced God's discipline. And not just the shame of my actions, but I've experienced God letting my grapevines grow into tangled thickets. And y'all, I sit and heard all the messages. I heard guys like me talk about sermons like this before I've messed up. And there were times when I absolutely just went my own way. And God tossed me the keys, let my grapevines grow into thickets. But I belong to God. And God got after me. And he disciplined me. And I'm so thankful he did. And I'm thankful for his grace to keep me. That's the kind of God I want. I don't want a God that's going to cancel me. I'm so thankful to have a God that forgives me. So what do we do if, if this is the last, I got half a sheet. What do we do if we experience a certain conviction of unfaithfulness? Return. That's the whole point of this. We return to God. God did not set out to destroy Israel, but to redeem her. The same is going for us. God is not out to destroy you. He is willing to redeem. And we must repent and return. And some of us out here may think to ourselves, 
I know what you're saying. That's the general population. I'm wanting to know, will he take even me? Will he take even me? Chapter 3 will encourage you, because this is the final point. God purchases them sacrificially. God purchases them sacrificially. Chapter 3 indicates, let's just read it together. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, the Lord said to Hosea, Go and love your wife again. He's married by this point. She stepped out. Go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Look at verse 2. So I, so Hosea, bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Some of this goes into the fact that he may not have even had that, so he took out a loan to pay for her. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. And there's all kinds of things that you can study into that. But what you have got to see is this. He bought her back. Hosea bought her back. He married her. Then she, in her adultery, stepped out and he bought her back. This shows how we can get ourselves, first of all, into all kinds of twisted up darkness. She has gotten herself into a situation to where she sold herself again. And it's so twisted up and dark that her own husband can't even get to her. And so he had to buy her back. He had to purchase her back. And Hosea, bless his heart, Hosea likely feels justified to just forget her. Just forget her. But as we think about our own faithfulness or our own faithlessness, our own forgetfulness, let's read of this redeeming love again. Go and love your wife again. Gomer had been unfaithful. Stepped outside of the covenant relationship. She run out on him again. And others might say this. Others probably spoke in his life and said, man, you need to forget her, man. Drop that zero and get yourself a hero, right? Saying things like, you, you need to turn your back on her. You are justified in this. The law says that you can do these things. My goodness. This, this is the part that y'all, when I studied it this week, it just stopped me. As people were likely saying, Leave her. She deserves it. She's been unfaithful. You're justified. God says of Israel, but I still love her. I still love her. Did you hear that? God still loves you. I want you to hear that message today. I still love her. And so he told Hosea, so you still love her. So you go and you buy her back with undeserved kindness. And by the will of God, Hosea pursued her once again, took what he had and probably what he even didn't have, and he bought her back. And then in the same way, God still pursued Israel. He still, if you read, you're going to read of judgment, and he's serious, and then you're going to read of the heart for God, how he wants his people, even when they are unfaithful. His faithfulness pursues to bring them back. And so he purchases them back, and God still pursues Israel, 
God still pursues broken people everywhere that are far from Him, that are in need of Him. And God gave all He had of Himself to purchase you back. To reconcile you to God through the blood of His own Son. God gave of Himself all that He had so that we would come back into that right relationship with God. So let me say to this to you, let me say this to you today. If the Holy Spirit of God is proposing to you today, say yes. Because that's the kind of relationship with God that you want. But if the Spirit of God is convicting you of sin, the sin that you've already called on Jesus to save you from, it's time for us to return. It's time for us to turn from ourselves once again and turn to God once again. Amen? Chapter 14, verse 1 says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord and say to him, Forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you praises. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Just as we had a number of people join last week, we would love for you to join this fellowship. We'd love for you to be a part of our church. Even if you just like to have a conversation of what that looks like, We'd love for you to join our church today. You've seen a, a child be baptized, that he was being obedient to God. If you've been thinking through that, we're going to have people standing right down here that would, would love to talk to you about your baptism. Or maybe today the Spirit of God has clearly spoken to your heart and mind and put all this together that you need a Savior. And it's time for you to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen, all you've got to do for that day, you can walk down this aisle all these folks, I know most of them are praying for you anyway. And they want to see you get closer to God. You walk this aisle, I'll be standing right here. Pastor Randy's going to be standing right here. We've got decision counselors. All you got to do is this, say, say just a few words. I need to be saved. I need to be baptized. We want to join the church. Just tell us that and we'll take it from there. We just want to help you. Amen.